بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم رحمدہ و نسلی اللہ رسول الکریم اما بعد الحمد للہ is the 7th of June in the year 2023. And Alhamdulillah, we moved on to the 45th night that we're going through the exalted and dear life of the eminent companion, Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu. So the next section entitled, Our Beloved Messenger, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Leaves the Mortal World. Shortly after his وسلم, return from the famous farewell pilgrimage, our beloved Messenger وسلم, he fell seriously ill. Slowly but steadily, his illness began to worsen. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud he was alarmed and he thus rushed to our beloved Messenger. In Sayyid Bukhari, number 5647, Sayyid Muslim, Ahmad in his Musnad, Ibn Kathir, Seed of Volume 4, page 340 of the English translation. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud himself, he relates, Radiyallah, I entered upon Rasulullah sallallahu at a time when he was experiencing a great deal of pain as a result of his illness. Then touching him with my hand, I said, Ya Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa you are made to suffer a great deal of pain during your illness. He responded sallallahu alayhi wa indeed, I sallallahu alayhi wa am thus made to suffer as much pain as two men amongst you are made to suffer. I then inquired, is this because you are rewarded twice? The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said, yes. Indeed, whenever any Muslim is afflicted with harm, whether it be an illness or anything else, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sets down from him his sins, just as a tree sheds its leaves. So let's look at this. So this is a flawless report. So note, he entered, and again, you notice he was very intimate with the Prophet and he noticed the Prophet was in severe pain. So obviously the Prophet went through quite a few illnesses. But Ibn Masood said, I noticed this was something else. So he asked first, he goes, are you suffering a great deal, Ya Rasulullah? And he said, yes, I'm suffering as much pain as two men amongst you. And then Ibn Masood, he said, is it because you get a double reward, Ya Rasulullah? He said, yes. And then he mentioned the reason why Allah puts a believer through i.e. these ailments. So note, he was with the Prophet right to the very end. The fever of our beloved Messenger was such that we have the following most informative report. Abu Sa'id al-Khudri he said, I once placed my hand upon the Prophet and I said, by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I can't bear to place my hand upon you. Your fever is so severe. The Prophet said, For us prophets, affliction is doubled, just as our reward is doubled. This is in Abu Ya'la in his Musnad, 
Ibn Qadil Sida, volume 4, page 340 of the English translation, he comments upon the chain of narrators. So now what's interesting? Fever, is it really the illness? And the answer is no. Fever is a part of the illness. It's a symptom. So you get a cold, you get a flu, you get a fever. But you don't go to the doctor and say, I've got a fever. <laughs> you say, I've got a cold, I've got a flu. I've got an infection. <laughs> the fever is actually part of the illness. So now, why is that important to highlight? If Allah the Almighty gives you reward for that, then what is the reward for the actual illness? You understand? So when you say fever, it's not the illness. It's the symptom of the illness. Rasulullah how severe was his fever? And this is shocking. Abu Sa'id al-Khudri, he said, I had trouble even touching the Prophet. So obviously we know that fever gets severe. If it goes over a certain temperature, just a few degrees, you could die. So the fact that he's saying, I was struggling, like touching, a, you know, without being you know, too disrespectful, if you touch a, a boiling on heat, your hand goes straight off. Because I have trouble touching you, Ya Rasulullah. Your fever is so severe. And then the Prophet said, the Prophet's afflictions are doubled, just as our rewards are doubled. Now this is important. The Prophet ﷺ, what did he say about the early Sahab? He said, even if they give a mud, just a, a few handfuls of grain, you could not equate to that if you give a mountain full of gold. So the greatest meaning that it is in Sayyid Bukhari and Muslim. So who was the Prophet talking to there? He was talking to the Sahab. And he said to the Sahaba that you who came late, who embraced Islam late, though you're my companions, if you gave a mountain of gold, that still would not equal a handful of the companions who embraced Islam early. So that's the meaning of the hadith. So what do we what was the Prophet teaching us there? He was teaching that those who serve the deen to a greater degree. Those who sacrifice more, Allah takes, gives them far more. You understand? He gives them far more, even amongst the Sahaba. So when Abu Bakr, for instance, when he came famously with just a you know, handful of foodstuff to the Prophet and the other Sahaba came with half their wealth, monetarily, the one who's given half his wealth has done much more. But why is that not the case? Because of this report. If they give a mud, you can't equal it. Why am I mentioning this here? If the junior Sahaba can never equate to the senior Sahaba, where does Rasulullah start? So when he gives Sadaqah, so people don't reflect upon these reports of the Prophet. So when he actually gives Sadaqah, somebody's hung in a minute. When Rasulullah gave, let's say, a date, then the senior sahaba, could they equate? No. So notice, for the Prophet sallallahu he had a special maqam with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And even the senior sahaba were questioning, why is this, yaris? why is this? I'm not like you. Even Ibn, Ibn Masood was a, one of the most senior come, I'm not like you. And they testified to the sallallahu And just as a way of, you know, as a rebuke, mild rebuke, then what about the plunkers who are not even companions who find fault with Sahaba? 
junior sahab can't equate to the senior. We're not even in the equation. What would the Prophet have said to us? Right? So not, you know, people just narrate hadith, hadith, hadith. Can you explain this hadith of the Prophet So not lessons we can take. Now why is fever, why does fever be afflicted upon those who are coming close to the end of their life? With regards to why heat is generated upon the dying believer, there's a wisdom. Sayyidina Abu Raida radiyallahu alayhi that our beloved messenger said, sallallahu alayhi Al-mu'minu yamutu bi'araqil jabeen. The believer dies with sweat on his forehead. Subhanallah. Al-mu'minu yamutu bi'araqil jabeen. The believer dies with sweat on his forehead. This is in Nasai, number 1827. Dirmadi, number 984. Hassan, Ibn Imaj, number 1452. Ahmad in his Muslim, number 23,109. Hagim in his Muslim, stated Sahih. Zahabi Sahih. And Shaykh al-Bani, Rahmatullah, stated Sahih. In Ahkam al-Jana'is, page 49. So let's look at this. Is that a good sign? Yes. We want to see that when a person's dying. Were you aware it's a sign? <laughs> This is the problem. If you see a person, and you know, like recently one of the uncles passed away, and I asked the, his son, you know, what was the details with regards to his death? And he said, he goes, he had sweat. <laughs> he didn't know. He just mentioned that to me. And I go, oh, mashallah. And he goes, mashallah, I don't understand. Why is it mashallah? And I quote the hadith, the believer dies with sweat on his forehead. This is a good sign. So notice the fever is a blessing. It causes the, the sweat. Also, there's a report. And this narration is from our mother Sayyidah Aisha radiallahu I saw Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa whilst he was dying. He had a bowl of water by him. He would put his hand into it, then wipe his face with it, and he would say, Allahumma a'inni ala ghamaratil mawti wa saqaratil mawti. O oh Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, help me to bear the pangs of death and the intoxication of death. Subhanallah. This is in Nasai, Tirmadi number 980 is Gharib, Ibn Imaj number 1623, Ahmad in his Muslim number 24535, Ibn Kathir, Sira volume 4, page 3423 of the English translation. Sunnah. So the Prophet had a ball of water. So this is a Sunnah. If, if you've got the opportunity to be a person at the end of life, you should say, there's a bowl of water next to you. And if you feel hot, dip your fingers, put it over your face. Sunnah. It's not what people think. But to complete the Sunnah, what dua did the Prophet make? Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allahumma a'inni ala ghamaratil maut. Oh Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, help me to bear the pangs of death. Wasakaratil maut. And the intoxication of death. So there's two things about death. The Prophet wanted help from. One was the pangs, the pain of death. If Rasulullah is asking Allah to help him with regards to the pain of death, you must realize it's a very serious matter. And if that wasn't enough, intoxication. That's what the word the Prophet used. Sakarat al-Mawt. Drunk. The drunkenness of death. Note in the Quran. The pangs of death are described as an intoxication. Where? In Surah Qaf, Surah 50, verse 19. Of the Allah, Shaitan, Rajim. 
وجاءت سكرة الموت بالحق ذلك ما كنت منه تحيد and the intoxication of death will bring the truth it will be said this was that which you tried to avoid so what does Allah the Almighty Glory say that what will bring the truth he didn't just say death death will bring the truth he goes the drunkenness of death will bring the truth and then Allah Ta'ala says by way of rebuke this is what you tried to avoid now what's strange about that statement you ask any person atheist to the biggest oliyah are you going to die of course I'm going to die <laughs> we're not talking about that we're talking about how a person lives everybody knows they're going to die but if you look at people and you just watch observe them they don't believe it I'm not dying you know death is far away that is what the Quran is saying is this what you tried to avoid meaning how did you get deluded over something which is an absolute reality why does Allah Ta'ala describe death as an intoxication just to mention this that verse Surah 50 verse 19 in Imam Ahmad in his Zuhd Hafiz Zahabi in his Seif Abu Nu'im Al-Hilya number 921 Hayat al-Sahab volume 2 page 698 of the Old English Translation Ibn Abi Mulaika <coughs> he said one night during a journey Abdullah Ibn Abbas recited from Surah Qaf until he reached this verse and the intoxication of death brings the truth this is what you try to avoid Upon reciting this, he burst into tears. And he just kept repeating it over and over without proceeding. So let's look at this. So who's Abdullah ibn Abbas? He's the cousin of the Prophet. He saw Jibreel twice with his eyes. He is the interpreter of the Quran. His virtues go on and on. Why is he crying? First of all, he's on a journey. So on a journey, do you offer tajjid? <laughs> Somebody normally says, brother, when you travel, you get the reward of you. Normally do. That's what we pull out. Huh? Didn't Ibn Abbas know that? <laughs> right? I'm traveling now, brother. Full concessions. You hear that all the time. Full, brother. Mashallah, good for you. Didn't Ibn Abbas know that? <laughs> That's the first thing. Secondly, was he reading on a journey? Surah Ikhlas. <laughs> Surah Qaf. Even if you were resident, somebody starts Surah Qaf, you think, oh, what's the Imam doing? Right? And there you go. He gets to verse 19. He couldn't continue past this verse. Why? He just started crying too much. Because what is Allah the Almighty and Lord here saying? The intoxication of death brings the truth. Is this what you try to avoid? So they really seriously feared Aye, whenever the rebuke came from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In another verse, what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? In Surah An-Nisa, Surah 4, verse 78. Aynama takunu yudriqumul mawtu wallahu kuntum fi burujim mushayyada. Wherever you are, death will find you. Even if you are in towers built up strong and high. Wherever you are, Death will find you. 
Even if you are in towers built on strong and high. So now look how interesting. There's actually a very subtle thing mentioned here, which is missed. You ask a person, why have you built this very secure tower? <laughs> so in the good old days, it was to protect from being attacked. You don't just build it for the sake of it. We do not have a koti, we build koti in it. Right? So they built a tower. So why were they building towers? To protect from an attack. So Allah Ta'ala is using that time frame for them. He goes, death cannot find you. Even if you are in towers built strong and high, he goes, you're not going to escape. As the angel of death actually looked at somebody and thought, this is a tough one, isn't it? <laughs> He's like, he doesn't give a monkeys. Whether you're good or bad, time's up. So note, Allah the last telling you in his kindness, he goes, are you waiting for him to come? And they get shocked. Oh, no, 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 give me a... You wasted your life. You got time now. And this is why we made dua to Allah the Almighty to help us to prepare for that inevitable moment. I mean, so now intoxication of death. Why is it described in the Quran and Sunnah as intoxication? The same word is used times for a woman who goes into labor. So now what's interesting about that? We're not women. Well, hopefully you're not, right? But the women, they know about childbirth and what starts happening? They start having cycles. It's called the cycle of that the childbirth is coming near. So the cycle starts off very slowly. So they'll get a pain and then it'll go away. And then maybe, let's say, half an hour later, the pain comes again. As they're getting closer to their birth, the cycle quickens. And then all of a sudden, they don't know where they are. Crushing your hand, cursing you. Oh, you, this and that. Because the cycle. That is the state of a child who's coming into the world. Allah uses that word for death. So if you want to know, are you going to be in your right senses? You've got to go to the women. Brother, I'm going to say, La ilaha illallah when I die. Oh yeah, mashallah. Uh, Masiji, you know when you give birth to your 12 putters, what was it like? <laughs> Ask them. Right? They go, oof. He goes, what happened? He goes, I almost died and this, that. I was cursing and I, may Allah forgive me. Imagine going to a woman just about to give birth, say shahada. What's she going to say to you? Gali's in a coma, right? So it's not something that you can do. You're in a state of intoxication when you're dying. So the Prophet wasallam, the strongest of the creation, he's making dua. He goes, help me, Ya Allah, at that moment. Help me. Ibn Abbas is weeping over the verse. He goes, how am I going to be when I'm drunk, when death is coming? So this is why you have to prepare. But what's the golden rule? You will die as you live. How many stories have you heard people dying and they die what they did? You know, that's what happens. One person was into chess. He loved chess. When he died, the last thing he said was, checkmate. Imagine, probably Muslims saying, say, la, 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 checkmate. Checkmate means the king is dead. Died in probably maybe in kufr. Astaghfirullah. Another person, they ask him to say the shahada. He says, two for three, three for two. And he dies. Why? Because he used to rip people off in business transactions. So he started talking like that. Another person, you know, and this is recent, there was a Sheikh Hablos from Australia. He was told to see, he goes, please, can you come? Because our father is coming to the end of his life. Can you please come and say a few words to him? 
So Sheikh Abla says, I went. I went with them in the car. As I got to the dwelling, I heard music. I'm thinking, this can't be the house. <laughs> Person dying, this music. So then he goes, I didn't say anything. And then all of a sudden, they go, Sheikh, uh, the Sheikh goes, uh, could you please turn it off? And then the one who was dying said, who turned it off? Who put the Quran on? Put the woman back on. He's soothing me. And he died in that state. Turn Quran off. I want to listen to Tina Turner. You know, imagine it. Tina Turner, right? So think about that. Would he have, would, now when that man was healthy, do you think he would have said that? He's in a state of intoxication. You will die as you live. So all of what we're doing is preparation for that moment. This is all preparation for you. You're asking at the end, Ya Allah, help me to deal with this. Our beloved Buddha, Sayyida Aisha, what did she say? Radiyallah. مَا أَغْبِطُ أَحَدًا بِهَوْنِ مَوْتٍ بَعَدَ الَّذِي رَعِيْتُ مِنْ شِدَّةِ مَوْتِ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صلى الله عليه وسلم I do not know, I do not now envy anyone for whom death is made easy after of what I saw of the severity of the death of Rasulullah صلى الله عليه وسلم This is a very interesting statement. In Sayyid Bukhari, number 4446, Nasai, number 1826, Tirmadi, number 981, Hafiz ibn Rajab in his Jami al-Ulum al-Hikam, page 67 of the English translation. So what did our mother say? Look at the very interesting words. She used to envy anybody who died an easy death. You ask Muslims that. Hey, would you like to, you know, just quickly, smoothly, like, <laughs> smoothly exit from the world and that. As Aisha told that, but then she changed that. He goes, I now don't envy. I don't envy anyone whose death is made easy. Why? Because what I saw, the severity of Rasulullah's death. He goes, how can it be that the greatest of creation goes to severe, you know, pain? He goes, it can't be a good sign. Maulana Fazl Ahmad. In his commentary of Imam Tirmidhi's Sunan, he commented, The meaning of this hadith is that she used to attribute severity of death to excessive sins. However, on seeing Rasulullah's passing, she realized it was also because of elevation of ranks. Hence, she thereafter did not wish for an easy death for anyone, i.e. or did not envy it for anyone. Fascinating. Why? Because you could think, okay, this person is going through a lot of hardships, Allah is probably purifying him. How does that apply to the Prophet? He's sinless. So that's what confused Aisha Umbuda. She goes, he goes, I don't envy anybody now. Now this is the tragedy. Non-Muslims die peacefully with their family around them. And they even film it. Shaitan's whispered, film it. So grandmother's in bed, you know, Families around, and they all, you know, they concerned. I don't know what they're concerned about, right? And then she passes away. She slipped away. <laughs> and then he filmed it. And then he reaches you and you go, oh, I'm really confused now. He goes, how come a non-Muslim slipped away? He goes, Rasulullah suffered. Straight away. Why has Allah made her death easy? Because in Sayyid Muslim, the Prophet wasallam said, Allah rewards the unbeliever for his good deeds in this world. He dies with nothing. So part of the reward is they don't suffer a death. 
Now, when you see that, and the shaitan is going to play with the ignorant Muslim, he goes, Grandmother, Joan died peacefully. Rasulullah went through severe tribulation. Shaitan puts a doubt into your heart. The response is, you missed something. The response, Allah Ta'ala is elevating Rasulullah. And we don't know, hopefully she might have died with the Imam, but this, you know, is that a good sign? Where's the sweat? <laughs> All the signs are there. What's the sign of a bad death? When a person starts gasping, like a donkey, the hadith says, he's gasping, <laughs> right? And he, his lips dry because he starts, you know, he, his thirst starts becoming insatiable. This is a wretched sign. That means Allah is showing that to the living. He goes, look, I'm showing you something here. Subhanallah, another reason why the pain was intensified for our beloved Messenger was due to the reactivation of the poison he had ingested four years prior. In Sayyid Bukhari, number 4165, our beloved messenger, he said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, to Aisha, I feel the suffering of the meal I ate at Khaybar. I feel as if my veins are being torn today as a result of that poison. So in Sayyid Bukhari, what did the Prophet say? It's my iota is being cut. The poison's reactivated, Aisha. It's been here four years. Allah has reactivated it. The poison reactivated so as to further bless our beloved messenger with martyrdom. Now, how do we know that? Because Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, what did he say? It is preferable to me to swear once and say that Rasulullah was not killed rather than swearing nine times and say that the Prophet was given a martyr's death. This is because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala vouchsafed to him prophethood as well as martyrdom. This is in Ahmad in his Musnad, volume 1, page 381, Tabarani, Abu Ya'la in his Musnad, Hakim in his Mustadrak, volume 3, page 58, Sahih and others. Now think about this. Who's saying this? Ibn Masood. Imagine he says this. I swear by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Rasulullah is not dead. Imagine, he's out say that. He goes, that is preferable to me. If you gave me a choice, he goes, look, swear a qasam, you got a choice. The first time you swear once, Prophet's not dead. Swear that, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Or swear nine times that he was martyred. He goes, I would swear nine times that he was blessed with martyrdom. What was he talking about, Ibn Masood? He knew, it's that poison. It reactivated another honor given to the Prophet Our beloved mother, Sayyida Aisha, simply summed up the entire matter when she said, I never saw the pain of any person more intense than that of Rasulullah This is in Sayyid Bukhari, Sayyid Muslim, Ibn Kathir Sira, volume 4, page 340 of the English translation. So, he, when he was leaving, Allah was still bombarding him with his mercy and affection. And Aisha saw many deaths. She saw her father pass away. She saw Umar get martyred. She saw her of man get martyred. Ali got martyred. She, and she goes, I've never seen anybody with more pain at the time of death than Rasulullah. Because he went through the most. Now what's touching? To die through poisoning is the sunnah. Allah reserves that for people who are very near and dear to him. So out of the companions, who was reserved this unique honor? Two of the Khilaf al-Rashidin. Sorry, three. Abu Bakr, 
Abu Bakr radiyallahu he was bit by a snake when he was in the cave looking after the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa Rasulullah got some saliva and the effect of the poison left him. It came back before he passed away. So he was given this honor. Umar radiyallahu he was blessed with poison leaving. Why? Because he was struck with a poison sword. That shaitan poisoned the sword. Uthman probably as well, I'm not sure, with Uthman radiyallahu. Ali was, his sword, the sword that martyred him was poisoned. Hassan was poisoned. The grandson of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa And the list goes on. Imam Abu Hanifa was poisoned. Rahmatullah Most of the direct descendants of Rasulullah were poisoned. So people start feeling pity. Oh, I don't feel pity for them, brother. Feel pity for yourself. Allah Ta'ala is honoring them. Why? Because how rare is that to die from poisoning? But that was Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Indeed, it is clear that when one reads the various blessed narrations, one will come to the conclusion that our beloved Messenger was divinely informed of his departure from this mortal world. So he knew he was going to pass away. In fact, in the farewell Hajj, what did he say? He said, learn from me. I may not be here the following year. So it was the farewell Hajj. And he was telling the Sahaba, learn because I might not be here for the next Hajj. And Abu Bakr, he wept. He goes, he wasn't. So the Lord is. Why was he saying? Because he knew. And then he actually pointed to the heavens. Because he first said to the Sahaba, have I conveyed the message? He goes, yes, Ya Rasulullah, you certainly have. Then he pointed to the heavens. He goes, bear witness, O Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why is he saying that? In other words, my mission is complete. And then how touching, when he came back from the farewell Hajj, he went into uh, Jannat al-Baqi, the, the graveyard, uh, in Al Madina, and he's and he said to one of the companions, Abu Muwayhibah, his servant, because the servant's been given a choice to quickly go back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or to live as long as he wishes and then go back. Abu Muwayhibah immediately knew the Prophet was talking about himself. He goes, Live as long as you want, Ya Rasulullah, then go back. And the Prophet said, I've already chose to leave Abu Muwayhibah. And then the report says, as soon as he walked off out of genital Bucky, the fever came. <laughs> Instantly it started. Right? And then he started saying, where shall I be? Where shall I be? He wanted to be with Aisha. <laughs> so note again, the Prophet knew he was going to leave. And he passed away on a Monday. And what's fascinating about that, people say, why wasn't he blessed with sight? The scholars say, he blesses. He blesses. Right? Otherwise you would have made that statement People would say, oh, he was blessed because he died on a Friday. It's Friday greater than Rasulullah. He flew cake. Right? So Allah Ta'ala blesses through him. Monday was blessed because of Rasulullah. Ibn Abbas said something to finish in Imam Ahmad's Musnad. Rasulullah was born on a Monday. He migrated on a Monday. From Makkah to Medina. He entered Al-Medina on a Monday. And he passed away on a Monday. So Ibn Abbas said something strange about this Monday. Abu Bakr also wanted this. Allah gave him that honor. Monday is a special day to pass away. Friday is explicit from the text of the Prophet So all I mentioned today was now returning back to the life of Ibn Masood and how close he was to our beloved messenger when he was leaving the world. And I touched upon the severity that he was going through. Important to take lessons from our beloved messenger's sacred life. Are there any questions you let us?
about like the martyrs who don't feel the pangs of death? What do they feel exactly? <coughs> so the report mentions the hadith is in Tirmidhi, Nasai, authentic. The Prophet said the martyr feels as much death at the moment, uh, as much pain at the moment of death as an ant bite. So what it means is they go through very, very little discomfiture upon the time that the angel of death comes. So even though, for example, in the modern warfare, they may have been blown to smithereens. They didn't feel any pain. Allah was protecting them from that. Or if they struck through a, with a bullet, they feel very... And that's an honor for Why? Because they have spared all this. Imagine. The Prophet then further said that the martyr is excused from the tribulation of the grave. He's not questioned. So the Sahaba goes, why is that, Ya Rasulullah? He goes, the, tribula- the test on the battlefield with the swords clang is enough of their test. So the martyr is spared tremendous uh, tri- uh, tribulations. And of course they deserve it. You know, we all should aspire to end our lives, given our lives for, to, back to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in that state. Any other questions? Subhanallah bihamdi ismarga Allahumma bihamdika ashtu la ilaha illa anta astaghfirika atubu alayka wa dhibillahi minash na'ajim subhanallah rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun assalamu alayla al-mursaleen walhamdulillah rabbil alameen bismillahirrahmanirrahim wal asr inna sallallahu fi khusr al-ladhina amanu wa amalu s-salihat wa asbal haq wa asbal sabr